For a message today, I want to consider the tongue. For a text, I have chosen Proverbs 21, 23. Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. The title that I have chosen for my message is Taming the Tongue. The book of James tells us that the tongue is a little member. And even though the tongue is a little member, it is said that the tongue is the strongest muscle in the entire body, and at the same time, one of the most sensitive muscles as well. Our text tells us that whosoever guards or to hedge about as with thorns, his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles. And that, we know, is easier said than done. I don't know how it is for you, but my soul has faced troubles at times because my mouth was not properly guarded. This morning we will begin in James chapter 3. I will eventually read this passage, but before, I, but before we do, I want to make several comments. If you are there in James chapter 3, look down at verse 7 and verse 8. It says, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Years ago, my family had the opportunity to visit SeaWorld in Orlando, Florida. Very interesting. It's also amazing. Creatures of the sea tamed by mankind. You know, man has tamed killer whales that weigh several tons, but the human tongue that weighs only several ounces, no man can tame. Have you ever heard someone say a bad word and then in trying to apologize for saying that bad word, they slip and say a few more? Have you ever heard that? It, it's, it's funny, but yet it's not. But why is that? Why is that? Well, it is because no man can tame the tongue. Have you ever tried to tame the tongue in your own strength? Have you ever tried that? I find it interesting that the use of the tongue is first hinted at in James chapter 1. If you're in the book of James, just uh, back up to chapter 1. I want to point out two verses in chapter 1. The first verse is in verse 19. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Again, it's hinted at in verse 26. If anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this one's religion is useless. 
I take from these two hints in verse 19 and 26 that there was misuse of the tongue in the church. And as we know, the misuse of the tongue is a touchy subject. I'm sure it was back then. We know it is today. And so James carefully approaches the subject and lays the groundwork for chapter 3. I'm sure you know that the tongue can actually provide clues about our overall physical health. For an example, if you're sick, you have the flu, and you go to the doctor, one of the first things that the doctor is gonna tell you to do is open your mouth and stick out your tongue. And he has a good reason for that. It's more than just a weird sense of humor. He has a good reason for that. Because the tongue provides clues about our overall physical condition. If it's red, if it's black, if it's white, if it has bumps, if it has spots, that all means something to the doctor. Well, the tongue also provides clues about our spiritual health as well. Jesus said, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so the tongue provides clues about our overall spiritual health. And we will see that as we read James chapter 3. Let's read it at this time. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, all they Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles? And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and is set on by fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. You see, James has went from hinting about the tongue to getting down to business. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. 
But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. The wisdom does not descend from above, but it is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and evil, start over. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. It is said that the tongue can express or repress, offend or befriend, affirm or isolate, build or belittle, comfort or criticize, delight or destroy. Proverbs 18.21 confirms that when it says death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so James uses several different word pictures of the tongue to help us see how small but yet how powerful it is. First, we have the bit, verse 3, that is put into a horse's mouth by its owner. A rather small piece of metal can control a very powerful animal. With the bit, the owner can direct the horse to the right, to the left, or to stop. When the bit is pulled back by the rider, it presses against the horse's tongue. That pressure to the tongue is very uncomfortable to the horse. And so when the horse begins to feel the pressure of the bit on his tongue, he turns to stop or turn depending on how the pressure is applied. The second word picture that we have is the rudder on a boat. Just as a small rudder can control the direction of a large ship, so too can the tongue control our lives. Notice verse 4. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. The bit controls the wild nature of the horse or of a horse. The rudder must fight the winds and currents that would drive the ship off course. Now here is something for us to keep in mind. I believe it's the lesson to be learnt. That even though the bit and the rudder are small in comparison to what they control, they both must be under the control of a strong hand. The third word picture is fire. Just like a spark can ignite an entire forest, so too can the words that flow out of the tongue. Notice verse six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members, right there between our jaws, you see, that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. The tongue is a fire, its own little world of iniquity. Just like a small spark can destroy thousands of acres of forest, 
a small word can be just as devastating. You know, we all probably have experienced such words. And sad to say, we probably all have expressed such words. I'm sure you heard the saying, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never harm me. I don't know who gets the credit for coming up with that saying, but it simply is not true. It is true that sticks and stones will break my bones, but words can harm us. Words can break our hearts. Words can break our spirit, especially if they come from someone that we love. You know, when someone from the world lets us have a row, it's pretty easy to shake that off. But when that comes from someone that we love, or if we express those words to someone that we love, that's when it really hurts. Broken bones can heal with time, but a broken spirit caused by words of death is not so quickly repaired. You know, this morning we all profess or confess, not sure which is the right word to use, that we are followers of Jesus Christ. We all believe in the teaching of non-resistance. You know, we would never take up arms and go to war and kill someone. But yet, how many people have you and I maimed or killed with our words? The last part of verse 6, the tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the chorus of nature and is set on fire by hell. The fire that is unleashed from an uncontrolled tongue will eventually destroy the body from which it comes forth. Proverbs 16:27: an ungodly man digs up evil and on his lips like a burning fire. The fourth word picture is a spring. James now draws another word picture to help us see that it should be impossible for us to both bless and blessed out of the same mouth. In verse 11, we have that penetrating question. Can a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Is that possible? I believe verse 11 is saying that just as it is impossible for a spring to have both sweet and sour water, so too it is impossible for the tongue of a mature Christian to send forth righteousness and rumors, <laughs> blessings and blasting, compliments and cursing. Verse 12 continues with that same thought. Can a fig tree, my brother, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? The conclusion is, thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh, and we would agree. I believe the call in verse 11 and 12 is a call to be consistent in speech. When a person talks out of two sides of their mouth, they're hard to understand. It's confusing. It, it just doesn't sound right to talk out of two corners. Speech that comes straight out of the mouth is clear. It is easy to be understood. 
The book of Proverbs brings that out in chapter 8, 8 and 9. It says, all the words of my mouth are with righteousness. Nothing crooked or perverse is in them. They are plain to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. So the question is, how do we tame the tongue? How do we guard our mouth and tongue? Is it a hopeless case? Training is not an easy task. Training takes time. Training takes patience. Training takes discipline. Horses, killer whales, dolphins, children, all of us <laughs> with our problems. Training takes time. And so it is with the tongue. I have four points that I want to consider for taming the tongue. And these four points are only for the Christian who is yielding himself or herself to God. If you are trying to tame your tongue in your own strength this morning, uh, you're welcome to listen. However, I doubt these four points will do you much good because the scripture says that no man can tame the tongue. So number one, the first point under taming the tongue, make a commitment to be in God's word. Here's a suggestion that is not original with me. The book of Proverbs has 31 chapters, basically one chapter for each day of the month. The suggestion was to read a chapter each day along with a chapter from the book of James. And after one month, you will have read through the entire book of Proverbs one time and the book of James six times. Almost every chapter in the book of Proverbs has something to say about the tongue. Useful things for helping us to tame and control the tongue. For an example, in the heat of anger, the book of Proverbs says, a quick-tempered man acts foolishly, and a man of wicked intentions is hated. When you don't have all the facts, the book of Proverbs says, he who answers the matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame to him. When you are tempted to joke about sin, Proverbs says, fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. When you are tempted to tell an outright lie, Proverbs says, put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far away from you. When you are tempted to flatter a wicked person, Proverbs says, he who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse, nations will abhor him. When you are supposed to be working, instead of running your mouth, Proverbs says, in all labor there is profit, but idle chatter leads only to poverty. You see, the book of Proverbs is full of good advice for guarding the mouth and tongue. I've made the suggestion to read the book of Proverbs a personal goal, and maybe some of you would want to join me in that. So make a commitment to be in God's word. We already know that man cannot tame the tongue, 
And so if we want help in our speech and in our words, we will need to look farther than man. We need to tap into that wisdom that is from above, that is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Point number two, thank before you speak. The words that you are about to speak, are they flowers or are they flames? Remember the letters of the word thank, T-H-I-N-K. T, is it true? Remember the rule about gossip. The more interesting it is, the more likely it is to be false or distorted. H, is it helpful? Will your words help bring about a solution, a resolution to the problem? I, is it inspiring? Will your words build up? or will they tear down? Are your words inspiring? N, is it necessary? Do you have to say anything at all? Is the comment really necessary? K, is it kind? Are your words based on a heart that truly cares for others? Is your heart filled with kindness? Is it kind. Remember the word thank. Repeat after me. T is it? H is it? I is it? N is it? K is it? Thank before you speak. Number three is simply talk less. Again, the book of Proverbs helps us out with good advice. Proverbs 13.3 says, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. I have a quote here that goes right along with that verse. It says, The chances of causing destruction with your words are directly proportional to the amount of time you spend with your mouth open. I think that person read Proverbs, did he not? That makes sense. Abraham Lincoln said, it's better to remain silent and be thought a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubts. Proverbs 10:19. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. President Calvin Coolidge said, I have never been hurt by anything I did not say. Proverbs 17, 27 and 28, He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is counted wise, and he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Talk less. 
The fourth point is build up others. The tongue can bring glory to God. The tongue is not a hopeless case. It has just as great a potential for good as it has for evil. And maybe I should say it has a greater potential for good than it does for evil. The tongue reflects the condition of the heart. And so when the, t- and so when the heart is turned towards God, the tongue is free to praise God and to bless others. The scripture constantly reminds us to encourage one another. It's constantly reminding us to use our tongue and our mouth to encourage the brothers and sisters in the church. And I came up with a whole list of references and I had to kind of uh, condense them down. I didn't want to go too far with this, and maybe I still did, but I want to just read a list of references, just kind of taken all out of the New Testament, that just point out that the tongue can be used wisely. 1 Thessalonians 5.11, Wherefore, comfort yourself together and edify one another, even as also you do. Hebrews 3.13, But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 10.25, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more, as you see the day approaching. Romans 14.19, Let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. Romans 15.2, let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. 1 Corinthians 14.12, even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. Ephesians 4.12, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I have three more. Ephesians 4.16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Ephesians 4.29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Jude 1.20, but ye, beloved, building up yourself on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. You see, God has a purpose for the tongue. Under his control, the tongue has tremendous potential for blessing others and for building up one another in the faith. What a blessing it is when the tongue reflects the wisdom that is from above, that is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Back to our text, Proverbs 21, 23. Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from troubles.
Today, God knows that no man in his own strength can tame the tongue. And I believe that handicapped is by design. I really do. For the tongue to be tamed, man must humble himself and look to God for help. Today, God is ready, God is waiting, God is willing to help you train the tongue for his honor and for his glory. What we must do is tap into that wisdom that is from above, humble ourselves and ask for his help in the tongue, the proper use of the tongue. I want to close with several verses from Colossians chapter three, and I welcome you to turn there. I'd like for you to take these verses with you as you go into the coming week. Most of the things that are mentioned here in this short reading are connected to how we use the tongue. Colossians 3, 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God ruin your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. We'll call for a closing song. <clears throat>